1: this is for all of our girls who just want to have a drink or two this holiday weekend it is the 4th of july that is what jill and i are going to do pre going out for a drink with friends hanging at the pool or on a boat whatever activity we want to do in austin let me tell you about this zbiotics is a pre-alcohol probiotic and it's the world's first genetically engineered probiotic it was invented by phd scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that is to blame for your rough next day. Z-Biotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It is designed to work like your liver but in your gut where you need it most. This is exactly what Jill and I do. We use Zbiotics as our first drink of the night or the day. Here at first, it is a game changer for us the next morning, and it helps me so much mentally so I'm not focused on not feeling good from the drinks. So savor the moment, let Zbiotics do the rest. Go to zbiotics.com/GTG to get 15% off your first order when you use GTG at checkout. ZBiotics is backed by a 100% money-back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, go to ZBiotics.com slash GTG for 15% off. Thank you, ZBiotics, for sponsoring this episode.
0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Gut Talk, Jenna. It is our first time ever having two people... On our pod today.
1: It is, and we are just rolling out these guests. We are so excited to bring on Nick and Dell today, aka the detoxing duo. Now, they have quite the story, and on one hand, a lot of you might resonate with their symptoms and their journey. But on the other hand, you may have not even heard about this topic of mold toxicity as it's not really talked about by a lot of people. And Jill and I believe that this will be or could be a huge awakening for some of you who maybe have had all of these symptoms that Nick and Dell had, but were never given a cause or a diagnosis.
0: Yeah, I mean, Nick and Dell have been on quite the healing journey, and we learned a lot about that during the episode. They went from trying to climb the corporate ladder to both getting their master's in functional nutrition, and now they help countless people test for mold and go through their detoxing journeys.
1: Yeah, and we really break this all down from how to know if you have mold, how to test your house for it, the symptoms of mold toxicity, what detoxing is. They have diff- such a different take than maybe what you've heard on mainstream health advice, their favorite tools and practices for detoxing, what it's like to be on a journey with chronic illness, their favorite ways to manage their nervous
0: systems, and so much more. And even if you're not someone that is dealing or has dealt with mold toxicity, one, it's a really great episode to understand how to detox and what that looks like and understanding the mental aspect of it and the the mind-body connection that goes with it. But also, it's really good to be educated on the topic because there's a good chance that at some point in your life you may run across this problem and you'll be able to identify it a lot quicker and maybe save yourself from a lot of the troubles that Nick and Dell have gone through. Yeah,
1: you know when we say, when you know better, do better. Amen. So this is a really eye-opening episode. We are so excited for you all to listen to it. With that, please welcome Nick and Dell, a.k.a. the Detoxing Duo on Gut Talk. We just want to get right into it. We've not talked about mold or lime on the podcast yet. So very, very excited to dive into this topic. What I want to do to start off is just hear a little bit about both of you and your stories and how you met Nick first or Del or whoever just go into how you started the detoxing duo and your story.
2: So we became best friends at USC, um, Mm. college together. We were in the same sorority. And then after graduating from college, we wanted to live together. So we moved into our first post-grad apartment, um, with a couple other girlfriends and it was gorgeous. Yeah. Seemingly gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Um, we were so excited. We thought we found like such a steal finding a four bed, four bath and, on the West side in LA is like really, really difficult. So we were, we were psyched and Mm -hmm. essentially we moved in within a matter of months. We all started developing different symptoms and health issues. And we didn't know why we didn't know what was going on. Um,
0: and were you, go ahead. Sorry. Were you guys talking about the health issues? Like, as these things are starting to happen, are yeah. you being open or is everyone just like experiencing their own things? Yeah, no, we were
2: all kind of sharing like, oh my God, we all have new digestive issues. For mm-hmm. me, insomnia was one of the biggest symptoms. Fatigue, headaches, migraines, um, brain fog, all these things started popping up. We all kind of started experiencing them, but we didn't know
3: why. And um, a lot of the gut stuff was the the kind of like, that was the most similar between the four of us. We all had some level of GI issues, but they were not the same GI issues and we couldn't make a connection between them all, you know, linking it to the environment. Right. Mm -hmm. Essentially, fast
2: forward a little bit, we end up realizing that this apartment is infested with toxic mold and... We all started seeking out practitioners to work with to, you know, start detoxing and healing from this mold toxicity. We got out of that apartment as soon as we possibly could and moved into other environments. And then that's sort of what kicked off this five year healing journey that Nick and I have both been on, and also the total career trajectory changes that we've made because of this personal health journey. We were both in competitive corporate jobs before. Um, But this health journey really sort of allowed us both to discover a passion for root cause medicine, functional medicine, nutrition, and all these things that we essentially learned in an effort to heal ourselves. And then the detoxing duo basically came about, I would say, a year into our healing journey. Yeah. Once once
3: we moved out of the apartment, you know, there was a few months of just – confusion and chaos and questions and disbelief. And it took a while to really come to the point where we could accept that this was our, like our real life right now. You know, we had so much that we were looking forward to ahead of us when we moved into that apartment, then we got it pulled out from under us. We had to get rid of almost everything that we owned. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of grief in that alone to get rid of your belongings. Um, There was just such severe mold toxicity and we were so symptomatic to the environment, that everything was cross-contaminated. So we had to be very, very diligent about moving into new environments and what we kept from the old environment. And then we started that process of getting better. And there was a lot of learning that came with it. Um, It was very, very expensive. A lot of trial and error. A lot of trial and error. Sodomy treatments. Yeah, a few steps forward and then 10 steps back. That's its own mind game in and Mm -hmm. of itself. People with gut issues can definitely relate to that. So we started the detoxing to get back to that point because we were searching. We were searching for other people that went through journeys. We were searching for what worked, what didn't work. We were searching for answers from people that were not Western-trained doctors. We were just searching and searching, and we wanted to share because we also were learning so much about you know, what worked for us, and we wanted to share that information with others. So it really started off as an account of chronicling our health journey. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. uh, pretty quickly developed a following and we started to learn that passion that we had for helping others in the space. And so I'd say about a year later, we made the decision to pursue master's degrees in functional medicine because we knew we didn't really want to just get like a health coaching certification. We wanted more of that really legitimate training um, from an educational standpoint. So we went and got our master's in functional medicine. We took it really slow because we were super sick for a while. And we were learning things in the classroom that then we could apply to our own lives, which was really cool, using ourselves essentially as case studies and finding out what worked and what didn't work um, through that. And then we just would continue to to share it on social media and, and build a community. So that's how the account started. And what it's transitioned into today you know it's a lot of that continuing to share the health journey and, and sharing our wins and where we're at now is completely different from where we were five years ago uh, but also now we we have a mold testing kit so we try to get the information around mold testing and empower clients with information around their home environments and we also take on clients on a one-on-one setting so we offer a bunch of different things but that's how detoxing duo started and where we're at today
0: what made you guys even look into the potential of it being mold how did that even come about because i feel like when you don't feel good you don't think oh maybe it's my environment and not me
2: yeah so that in a way it was a blessing in disguise there was essentially flooding in this apartment so it was undeniable we couldn't ignore it and that's basically what set off the light bulb of like okay something's not right here we need to look into this
3: And we definitely wouldn't have thought the environment had it not been for a water intrusion episode because we made excuses up that a lot of people do when they're in their mid-twenties and they're like, Oh, I'm just working a lot, or, you know, it's a it's a change in my lifestyle, or and we tried to come up with excuses of why we maybe weren't feeling well. In the end, it was because we were being poisoned.
2: And I think it's also important to note, like, again, we were lucky that there was flooding. But there are a lot of scenarios in which there can be a serious toxic mold problem that you cannot see or smell. And that's why testing is so critical.
0: And for anyone who just, I mean, I've heard of mold uh, toxicity, but what does it affect? How does it attack your body? What does that look like?
3: So mold toxicity has different types of manifestations. One is an allergy response. So that's your typical IgE reaction to a mold, probably your whole life. You know, are sensitive to some degree, and you may have had allergy-type symptoms. Then there's a mold toxicity response, which you could have a genetic susceptibility to. Both of us have the genes that predispose us to become more sensitive to mold toxins, but anyone with enough exposure can react. What happens is the mycotoxins, which are the toxins that the mold emits, so it's not the mold itself necessarily that's the real issue for us. It's those toxins that it's releasing. And it can release those toxins if the mold is dead or alive. It doesn't matter. Those mold toxins, then you you inhale them. They come into your body. You can absorb them through your skin. And our, our bodies essentially don't flag the toxins as like foreign invaders. So instead of excreting them out of your body naturally, they get stored in, inside your body. And mold is lipophilic. It likes fatty places. So where does mold hang out? Places like your brain and throughout different organs in your body making the reactions multi-system and multi-symptom. So you're having whole body reactions, anywhere from headaches to tremors, to light sensitivity, to chemical sensitivity, to migraines, joint pain. I mean, the list literally goes on and on. I could list 40 symptoms. And you go to a doctor and they're looking at an isolated area of your body and they're not able to identify, why do you have something that's causing these symptoms throughout your whole entire body? It's very confusing. Uh, So that's a little bit about mold toxicity itself. It also triggers a lot of other illnesses.
2: Yeah. To add, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's why it also confounds so many Western doctors because to Nicole's point, they're trained to study a specific organ system and mycotoxins and mold toxicity can affect every organ system in the body and and cause a range of symptoms across different organ systems. So when they see that, they're super confused and oftentimes a lot of people get the, Anxiety and depression diagnosis, you should go on an antidepressant. Like, you seem crazy. Um, but it's a very, very real physical illness. Um, and like Nicole also said, they're fat-soluble toxins, so they can get into your cellular membranes, and that's why they can cause so much mitochondrial dysfunction and, you know, all the symptoms that are associated with that.
3: So much GI dysfunction. Like Yeah, the gut and the gut. thyroid
2: are, like, two of the things that go down First, when you're in a really bad toxic mold.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting. And as I mentioned at the beginning, we haven't talked a lot about this, but I think that there are a lot of people who potentially have this going on, right? So we talk about gut issues all the time, and that's your basic symptoms. But what you're saying is gut issues are just one symptom of a very larger group of symptoms that you could be experiencing. At what point do you decipher, and I guess it could potentially be brain fog or whatever else symptom you have, but when do you know what to do, what to test for, where to go? What's that next step look like?
3: Yeah. I mean, the telltale sign that if you have, if you have the clarity on this one, it helps mm-hmm. it a lot, is if you feel better when you leave your environment. So mm. for some people, they'll go away for a week or they'll go away even for a weekend and they suddenly realize, wow, I had more energy. I didn't have headaches. I didn't have brain fog. And then they come back to their environment and boom, right back to where they were. So that's a telltale sign. And in those cases, it's like you're almost grateful that you have that shining a light on it. Your body's right. telling on you something and you have that black and white. When I leave, I feel better. When I'm here, I don't. So that is helpful if that mm-hmm. happens. For us, we have a spidey scent. So I could go into a moldy environment and my body will tell me immediately. Right. Um, for other people who maybe don't have that luxury of leaving or their bodies are just so toxic that even when they leave, they're storing so much of the toxicity that they don't get any symptom improvement. It is about testing and you know, testing can be expensive, but ultimately you really want to be testing your home environment to see what's there. And then you can go further and you can do you know, different types of serum testing and mycotoxin testing. It's a little bit controversial of how accurate it is, but it could be a helpful piece of the puzzle. Um, And then you go from there in terms of next steps.
1: That's so interesting that you say that because, well, first of all, just a little background. Jill and I have not had experience with this, thank goodness. You know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about how long of a journey you guys have been on. But I have friends who have dealt with that mold toxicity. And one of my good friends actually started speaking up about it a lot more. Her name is Grace on Instagram. And she just had another relapse in it. And Just left her environment and went back to Virginia, where she's from, for a little while. And it was night and day. She almost had to go there for one to two months to just, like, let her body slowly recover from that. And then one of my best friends, she lived in an apartment or a house that absolutely, like, Josephine, this has to have mold. She would have headaches all the time in her place. And then she would go home and wouldn't have them. And that's exactly what you're saying. And I'm, like, sitting here thinking... I'm so glad we're talking about this because I'm wondering how many more people of just myself, I know like three or four people who have had this experience. I'm sure you guys see it like all the time, especially with your platform.
2: It's becoming more and more pervasive. And I mean, symptoms are your body's way of speaking to you. It's Mm -hmm. not like it's trying to tell you something and so you need to tune into that and listen to that and it's it's wild like
3: there's also a misconception around the prevalence of mold and you know when you hear about a story of toxic mold you have this picture in your mind of a disgusting old home with just like stuff everywhere and clutter Mm -hmm. and wetness and dampness and darkness that's not the reality you could be in a multi million dollar, gorgeous, beautiful, clean home. It takes one we've seen it right. time We've seen it time. It takes one drip under a kitchen sink. That's it. Twenty-four hours of a drip under a kitchen sink in the right environment can create a toxic mold problem.
0: So now that you're saying this, <laughs> Jen and I had an air conditioning unit that was dripping on the wall. So what would we do about that? How do we make sure that that's not creating a toxic environment we for didn't us.
1: had we have like well, it's a, it's a current issue it's not
0: dripping <laughs> right now but it's it's a little leaky.
1: it's left stains if you yeah. will
3: okay well that's a good sign so any signs of water damage like staining buckling bubbling discoloration change of texture all of those are signs that there could be water hiding behind an environment or that there was a pre-existing issue that was painted over um, so in those cases, you want to do testing. You can run an ERMI test, which is the technology that we use in our mold testing kit. The reason why we like that is it gives you a really good baseline diagnostic of the environment. Both both it will pick up on a past exposure or current exposure. It won't identify where the issue is stemming from necessarily, but the more samples that you do, you're able to better identify areas. Um, so testing is always the next step and just making sure that, if there's an active water source that it's taken care of because you're just gonna have a continual problem if you don't get rid of the actual source, which is the moisture on the building materials.
0: Interesting. I yeah. feel like we should probably do that then.
3: <laughs>
2: well, okay, we really, so yeah, go well, ahead. <laughs> say we really love the Army because it is the most cost effective baseline diagnostic tool to get a sense for what is going on in my environment from a mold perspective and that you can do yourself. Um, cause bringing in an inspector, depending on how big your environment is, can expensive. cost thousands, yeah. and thousands of dollars.
1: So um, what does this test look like? Like, is it a, a swab or what, what are, what are we dealing with?
2: So it's literally like a, cloth, like okay. a cloth and you take the cloth, you swipe up dust throughout your home and you essentially send that in for testing. And they do, the lab does a DNA analysis of that dust. And it breaks it down into 36 different strains, many of which are mycotoxin-producing. Which mycotoxin-producing strains of mold are really the molds that are associated with the more severe health implications that you see with the mold toxicity response.
1: If we need to do that, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, for being proactive, right? I feel like that's a very big important point. Yes, I...
3: However, don't don't panic. That's our okay. number one piece of advice to everyone. No matter how bad the results are that we get oh my gosh like we saw one last week it was probably the worst we've ever seen i think really? Really, yes and panicking will only make it worse sure. i think that's the thing about
2: mold is we're so passionate about spreading education around it because this is what triggered everything for us but we are right. very cognizant of not wanting to be super fear-mongering about it because you also can't discount the impact that that has on the nervous system like mm-hmm. you get a test and you're like oh my god oh my god my whole place is invested with mold like What that is then going to do to your body, it's going to send you straight into fight or flight. And that is going to trigger a ton of symptoms. So it's such a balance of like remaining calm, but also empowering yourself with the information.
1: Mm, I love that. You all have been going
2: crazy
1: about these electrolytes. And if you follow us on any platform, you would know that we post about these a lot, probably because we have these every day. Anyway, let me tell you a little bit about hydration to properly hydrate. You want to include water with electrolytes. So when you sweat, you are losing water and sodium. Both of these need to be replaced to prevent headaches, muscle cramps, energy dips, confusion and more. You know, I used to get these big cramps after workouts, especially at night that would wake me up. But after drinking electrolytes with my water, I cannot remember the last time that's happened. Electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulations, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. They also boost performance and recovery. Element, spelled T is a tasty electrolyte drink mixed with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Jill and my favorite is the raspberry or watermelon salt and grapefruit, a close third. That's their newest flavor. Can I also add that they make you want to drink your water? So if you're someone who constantly says you need to drink more water, this might be right up your alley. We have a deal for the Gut Talk community. You can go to drinkelement.com to get a free Element Sample Pack when you make any purchase through our link. The Element Sample Pack includes one packet of every flavor. This is perfect for anyone who's interested to try all of the flavors, or if you want to introduce a friend to Element that is linked in our bio, try it out and let us know what
0: you think. Working with gut health all the time, there's things that we see every day with our friends where it's just completely misunderstood when it comes to gut health. What's super misunderstood about mold toxicity, like what are the things that you guys just are always kind of giggling about with each other where it's like, that's so inaccurate. Like what what are the big things you can just kind of like whack off for us? There's
2: definitely a couple that are coming yes. right to mind right away. Number <laughs> one, that you can kill mold with bleach. That's a big thing. Okay. Um, mm. never do that. That will make the mold grow back even angrier than before. Um okay. just visually it's gonna get rid of it.
3: Um period of time. Yeah, for a period of time. Yeah, period like, of
2: time. Oh, two days
3: later. Here it is again. Yeah. All
2: right. Um We already kind of touched on this one, but that mold can only grow in older buildings that couldn't be mm-hmm. part of the truth. And in fact, a lot of newer builds utilize certain synthetic building materials that actually breed mold even faster than older building materials. So that's also And the something... HVAC
3: systems in, you know, some of these like L- like lead certified buildings that have all this like, oh, we're so environmentally friendly. Yeah. They're pulling a lot of times. They're pulling the air for the HVAC systems from cross-contaminated environments. So if you have a mold problem in one apartment and that is fueling then the air for another few apartments, now you're having a bigger issue because rather than just identifying one apartment with a problem, it's spreading it everywhere. So that is a big misconception that these newer builds are safe. And we'll have clients move into a newer build to get out of a mold environment and not mess the newer build. And then again they have to move. So Always test no matter if it's new or not. That's interesting.
0: And so when you guys had to move out and you had to get rid of the majority of your things, is any of that covered by like house insurance, home insurance? Or do you, do you really have to start out over from scratch?
3: It depends on the person and the policy. We've seen in some clients the ability to recoup certain things from insurance companies, but it's not, like, it's not always likely. Um, In our cases, our renter's insurance at the time didn't cover anything. So (sighs) we had to get completely new things. It was really, really expensive. But ultimately, when it comes to getting rid of your belongings, that's really a case-by-case basis. For us, I had peace of mind knowing I wasn't cross-contaminating my environment. And in fact, the things that I kept, I always questioned. So I got rid of all of my furniture. I got rid of almost all of my clothing. But you know, there's a few pieces here and there that I held on to that I won't use to this day because I'm like, that was in the moldy environment. I don't trust it.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you mentioned that genetic predisposition that you both had and you said you had roommates, right? In the place that was infested. Did they not?
3: So when it comes to the genes, Delaney and I have both of the genes. Okay. And so it makes sense why we were the sickest. When it comes to other people, and this is part of why a lot of times people don't understand how in an environment with a family, let's say there's five people there and only two of them are severely sick, they don't understand it. We're all breathing the same air. Why are we not all sick? It really can come down to the genes. So in every environment with five people, you may have only two that are reactive. Mm. The stats on the genes I think are a little bit outdated. It's like doctors believe 30% of the population carry these HLADR genes. I think it's higher. Interesting. Just based on what we've seen, I think it's higher. Um, but it also depends on your toxic burden that you had pre-existing. It depends right. on your lifestyle. It depends on how long you're in that environment. And there's so many so different yeah. variables Yeah. that affect if you, if that predisposition really has an impact or not. Yeah, sure. Okay. That makes
1: sense. So, I want to hear more about your journey. So you're called the detoxing duo for a reason, right? So I'm guessing you guys went on a very big detoxing journey journey. And I know I saw one of your posts that basically says, you're telling the people who say, oh, you just have a liver. You can detox no matter what. But I know it's so much deeper, right? What are the tools and what is the journey that you went on? I'm sure you worked with some of these functional doctors or maybe even woo-woo doctors, if you will, that were probably telling you to take herbs, to detox in unique ways that people never heard of. What did that look like for both of you? Yeah, Yeah.
2: Detox is one of the most critical components of healing and if will you take a step back and say what even is detoxing yeah so when you've been exposed to mold and you're dealing with mold toxicity you obviously have a huge toxic burden and your Mm -hmm. detox pathways essentially the detox capacity of your body it has likely been compromised to a certain extent so you need to open and optimize those detox pathways so that you can Mm -hmm. start excreting these mycotoxins out of your body and there's so many different ways to do that through supplements, through different modalities. Nicole and I tried everything under the sun, um, you know, to cover the things that I personally think were the most helpful early on. We would do IVs with um, a Myers cocktail and a glutathione push. Those were extremely helpful early on because Mm -hmm. we were both so toxic and so sick. Um, So we would do those weekly and, Supplement-wise, at the very beginning, we were taking liposomal glutathione three to four times a day. That's how toxic we were. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's su- the
1: – will you explain what glutathione is?
2: Yeah. That's, it's essentially an antioxidant. Um, it can quench free radicals. It's one of the best detox supplements. It cool. supports your liver's ability to detoxify. It needs to be liposomal. And again, a lot of people struggling with mold toxicity need to take a lot of liposomal glutathione. But sure.
3: really very slow. Uh-huh. Yeah, because okay. when you're so toxic and you're you're then trying to optimize your detox pathways, so you're you're trying to help your body detox faster and more effectively. You then can have die-off reactions of your body being like, "Whoa, like this is too much for me." We're trying to push these toxins out, and I'm symptomatic from it. So right. you have to go very slow when you're toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, glutathione is a big one.
2: Big one. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, like, things you can do at home, a bit taboo, but coffee enemas, those also in- increase liposomal glutathione production by, like, 300%. Mm-hmm. Um, Epsom salt baths, dry brushing, infrared sauna. That was one of the investments that we made really early on in our mm-hmm. healing that we're so happy we did. Um, yeah. one of the Buy one for your home.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Which and one did know. you get? Out of curiosity,
3: we got the sunlight and solo systems because of the space component. Being a okay, service. it's really helpful. Also, we were going to like those sauna bar type places like multiple times a week. And yeah, when you price it out, buying one of those saunas and just going on a payment plan with no interest, we ended up spending less than we were weekly at these yeah. sauna places.
1: Oh, I'm sure those things are so expensive. Jill and I have done them many times. We're yeah. like, geez, yeah. yeah.
3: So it was just like a no brainer for us. Mm -hmm. Got those. That helped a lot. lot. I remember, like when we got our saunas, it was like huge change. Yeah, we we were in there five days a week, probably. It was a lot of sauna. (laughs) (laughs) And then binders. (laughs) Binders are huge with detoxing. Um, It's really important to rotate binders because different binders ingredients bind to different toxins. Um, what a binder does essentially is it grabs onto the toxins in your body and helps you excrete them. So that was crucial. We did try, you know, pharmaceutical type binders and then ultimately the more natural ones are what helped us the most. So that was big in our early on detox journeys. Um, We did do a lot of really like advanced therapies, things like ozone, stem cells, exosomes, IV treatments, infusions, of many different kinds ultimately it's hard to say and pinpoint you know what really really helped and what didn't but what we always come back to is some of the most accessible treatments are actually the ones that helped us the most so Mm -hmm. if you have the means to do some of these more advanced things to get ivs of myers cocktail glutathione like yes great but if you can't like most people can't there's so much you can do at home to optimize detox and so many lifestyle changes you can make to support your body on its detox journey. And those things are not, you know, thousands of dollars of IVs a week.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't have expected dry brushing to be something that helped you detox because um, I've yeah. I, it's funny because I think that dry brushing is one of those things where the people who do it swear by it, but then I feel like it's not that popular. Like, you'll never go to a doctor and they say, hey, like, you should be dry brushing. So I like to hear that. That might maybe, maybe I'll start. Well, yeah,
1: because it, does your lymph, I'm guessing, play a role in the mold? Like, is it really important to move your lymph, your lymphatic system? Absolutely. Crucial. Crucial. Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many different systems in your body are integrated with detoxification. So your Mm -hmm. lymphatic system is one of them. Uh, Really important to move the lymph, especially in cases of mold toxicity and chronic illness where you don't have the energy necessarily to be moving, to exercise, to get the body flowing in that way. Lymphatic drainage is even more important. Um, You know, things like dry brushing, lymphatic massage, rebounding, even if you can, just things to get, you know, micro-movements going. And when did you see the light at the end of
1: the tunnel? Was it when you found one modality of healing? Or was it that consistency that it seems like you guys really went
2: all in on? It's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a journey we haven't even covered. there been so many different phases. Sure. I think to jump into that before that, I want to say... There are some people who have mold toxicity, and all they need to do is detox, and they start to feel better, and they recover, and they heal. There are other okay. people where mold toxicity has triggered a slew of other issues that also right. need to be addressed, and it's kind of like peeling back an onion, and you have to address all these different layers. Some of those layers right. are thyroid function, mm-hmm. gastrointestinal imbalances, dysbiosis, addressing all of that, which I know you guys are intimately familiar with. Mm -hmm. Heavy metal toxicity, because heavy metals and molds thrive in the same environment with each other. And detoxing heavy metals, you can be a little bit more targeted. Autoimmunity. Autoimmunity. And so I just want to touch on that. Because for some people, it's just addressing the mold toxicity. But then for a lot of other people, it's a slew of issues. So for Nicole and I, we unfortunately fell into the bucket of having a slew of issues. And we had to address those layer by layer over the last five years and then I think I speak for both of us but Nicole can validate this for me in the last two years nervous system regulation has been my core focus in my healing and it has led to the most healing gains for me as of recently and I think that that is an area that needs to be talked about more for so long when you when you first get sick You are only focused on healing the physical, the physical issues, doing the physical treatments. And you kind of neglect the mind-body connection. And you're just chugging along and you just desperately want to feel better. And then I think eventually you sort of realize like, okay, there's also a mental, emotional, spiritual side of this that needs to be addressed in order for me to really heal. Um, And so we regulate our nervous systems in different ways. For Nicole, it's really the horses. For me, I've tried a variety of different modalities. I've done brain training. I don't know if you guys have heard of anything, um, you know, like Gupta or DNRS. Um, And then I've been doing some more somatic work recently that has been very profound. But we, I think definitely in the last couple of years have realized how important that nervous system piece is.
0: It's interesting that you talk about the nervous system and and that aspect of it, because for me personally, it's really hard for me to believe that there's this connection, even though I, like, I fully believe in it, if that makes sense. But then when it's me, I have trouble trusting in that aspect of it, because I'm such like a forcer and like a doer, like, give me 20 treatments, all dry brush for an hour and a half, trust like, me.
2: trust me. We get so I totally, I totally
0: back. like, yeah, I, I resonate with that. Because like, I'll dry brush and then go sauna and then tell me to run five miles. I'll do it. But sitting down and relaxing and believing that my body is actually supposed to heal and built to heal, she's excellent at it. Like, she's, like, this, like, zen figure that's, like, my body is healing. I'm, like... I will heal it myself. I don't need any help. And it's hard. Like, it's really hard to find that thing that like allows you to kind of emotionally and mentally accept the healing aspect. And that really isn't talked about.
3: That acceptance was a light bulb moment Mm -hmm. because we were very much that way early on. You know, we were also working full time and we were like, Give me every treatment you can. I gave myself three months of intensity of just treating with everything you can think of, throwing all this money at it, throwing all this energy at it, forcing it. That's not going to work. Your body is so oh, yeah. much smarter mm-hmm. than that. It's oh like, my God. It's so F you. It's crazy to look back on. I, I ain't healing. <laughs> okay. first of all, drop your timeline because timelines mm-hmm. are just there. They set you me. up for failure. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I remember
2: vividly when we were first sick and oh. we went to our first doctor And we were both working full time, so stressed out. And he told me, you know, this is going to take X amount of time. And it like wasn't fast enough for me. And I like turned to my mom and I was like, that's not going to work. That's just not going to work. It has to be faster. I have to heal faster than that. Like, Mm -hmm. do you have any idea the kind of messaging that that's sending to your body? Like, your body is on its own timeline. And that is something I had to learn that lesson multiple times until I finally got it. And it finally clicked. I would continue to fall back into old patterns of perfectionist thinking and I have to be better by X date so that I can do this, this, and this. And every single time I would fall back into that, my body would would flare and mm. I had to learn the lesson the hard way.
0: I quoted this on a few podcasts back, but I was scrolling through Instagram one day and Kim Kardashian of all people like reposted this meme picture thing and it was like, if you don't take the time to heal your body, your body will force you to make the time to heal. And I always think back to that because I'm sure you guys see it a lot. We see it a lot with gut health. People want, you know, they just want to take a probiotic. They don't want to take the actual steps and they don't want to change their lives, right? And I'm sure with you guys, it's even more extensive because you don't have a choice. I mean, people can live with really bad gut issues and they do for such a long time because they're not willing to to change their lives but i feel for you all if when you're working one on one with a client or maybe you see it through social media people don't really have a choice right like if you're dealing with extreme mold toxicity your your body is like fighting
2: right absolutely and that's such an amazing point i think you have to almost be miserable in order to be forced to actually do the work yep. and make the changes. And if you're not, if you're like, oh, I don't feel great, but like, I'm fine. I'm functional. Right. You're prob- you probably may not have that motivation to really make a lifestyle change, which is what's required. And I think also to follow up, you know, the note that you were making on the nervous system stuff, it's so easy because I, I do think the majority of people- resist that kind of work at first, because it actually is the harder work to do. It's much easier to take a pill and a supplement and get in the sauna than it is to address your nervous system. Maybe look back at childhood trauma that's still holding you back, like really going to those dark, vulnerable places that may be holding you back in some way. Like that stuff is the harder work in many ways
3: and to find what resonates with you just that journey alone is hard so you know I remember early on my husband would always say like oh you just need to meditate and you need to journal and you need to do this and that and do breath work and yeah all those things really work for some people that's life-changing and and that is the work that some people have to do for me I could not I still can't I struggle big time it's something I'm working on because I I believe in it and I want to do it but finding the thing that works best for you and your nervous system is key. And with that, there is a lot of trial and error and not giving up. And you have to be patient. Really yeah,
1: great. it's interesting. I'm a projector in human design, if you've ever, um, if you follow that at all. I'm kind of type B, like in terms of getting things done and stuff like that. I don't know too much about horoscope, but I'm a Pisces, if that would make any sense to anyone. I don't find a problem in relaxing and like taking a step back. I find it rather fun and what I really want to do in life. But Jill is type A. She's like a getter done. If I'm not accomplishing something or if I'm not doing something, I'm not accomplishing something. And it is hard for people. Jill dealt with a lot of gut issues. And we think some of that is because of that go, go, go mentality. And I love this conversation because... I think it's such a reminder that you do have to take a step back, and we've, I, you know, I've dealt with a ton of clients who want to do so much, and sometimes it's doing so little. And did you mention you mentioned horse therapy, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. I've I've been so intrigued about that. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Maybe what the lessons have taught you there from horses.
3: Yeah. Well, I grew up being a competitive rider, cool. and I stopped riding for like 15 years, I'd say, like it was a while. Uh Um, And when I started B venom therapy, which is a whole other topic, but that, Uh that was crucial for my healing. I had to give myself something. I had to find something that was going to be an outlet to take me outside of the chronic illness bubble. Cause at this point it was my identity. It was becoming my work. It was my whole life. I needed something. And I just felt this urge to get back into being around horses and so I did. And I remember I was so sick and I was so frail and I was so tiny and just like thickly looking, honestly. I mm-hmm. had so little muscle. And the first few times I was around them, I just felt a difference and a shift in my body. And it grounded me and it connected me and it reset my nervous system in a way that nothing else in the world can do mm-hmm. it. And so it became my life again. And I am so lucky to have horses that I ride and have an amazing community there. But if I'm not around my horses for, you know, two, three days, I am a different person. I'm like my on edge, my nervous system is really amped up. I like even just talking about it, I can picture where my body is, but I don't get that fix. Um, Part of it is that horses are so healing when you're around them, your heartbeat and their heartbeat become in sync. And so it starts to ground you because you're feeding off of another animal. They are so sensitive and they, I mean, they're just phenomenal. If you have an opportunity to just be around them in some way, even just going and putting your hands on them, sometimes that's all I'll do. I'll go out and I'll take care of my horses. I won't even ride. I'll just be in their presence and I'll pet them and I'll take care of them. And my nervous system, it's night and day.
0: I love that. You guys were coming out of college when this all happened. And I have to imagine that alcohol does not mix with toxic (laughs) molds. Did you struggle? to try to still be, like, 20-something-year-olds while being sick? And why I ask that is I think the, a lot of the world is moving into, like, a more reserved alcohol standpoint. Like, you see mocktails everywhere now. But how did you guys adjust, or were you just so sick that it just wasn't a question?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, before we knew why we were sick, I was speaking for myself, I would still try to, like, go out and be with my friends and drink and whatever that was like when the symptoms just started coming on, but we had no idea what was going on yet. And it became clear pretty much immediately that this was not going to work and that I was not going to be able to continue to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd say we both realized that pretty early on, but we definitely had to honestly like mourn, I don't want that to sound dramatic, but like kind of mourn losing that portion of our 20s and like not really getting to experience that um, because we were just... For a couple years so sick and so tired so traveling and going out with friends and drinking and all of that just wasn't part of the equation and i know i had a really hard time with that early on i definitely experienced like fomo and honestly just like sadness um, about not being able to participate in any of that um but honestly i look back now and i feel like there's a silver lining in everything of course and I do see that as a silver lining because I feel like that forced me to let go of FOMO. Like, I just don't experience FOMO in my life anymore. I'm so content doing whatever I want to do. I have so, – I don't know. I just – that my perspective has so shifted around yeah. that. Like
3: It took a while to, like, accept the fact that this was our life. And, like Delaney said, to kind of mourn the fact that we were missing out on a big chapter that, you know, we thought our lives were going to look a different way. But once we did and we had that shift and we started to accept, that was when the healing came. It was the resistance that was the biggest barrier. And the mm-hmm. resistance you know, with that is doing the things we thought we should be doing. We thought we should be going out. We right. thought we should be able to drink. We thought we would be on these career paths and hustling and moving up the ranks in the corporate world. Like We had set out this path for ourselves and then life, life took a turn and we had to accept. And once we accepted, the healing came.
0: So neither of you guys drink alcohol today?
3: I don't drink any alcohol. Um, Part of that is because I still am doing bee venom therapy and histamine is something I regulate really, really closely. Um, Our bodies are in a way different place though now. You know, we're not having to detox as aggressively as we used to. So if our livers were handed some alcohol, I think our bodies would probably do better than we give them credit for. Um, Hmm. There's not a whole lot of, Great things about drinking alcohol in terms of what yeah. does to the body. So we don't feel like a huge urge to. That's sure. definitely not something I'll like say. Well, I'll we'll never drink again. Like, sure, if, if I feel called to and I feel like I'm regulating my histamine well enough, then maybe at some point I'll dabble in having a drink here and there. But it's it's definitely not a huge part of our lives right now.
1: Yeah. Did you already have boyfriends when you went on this journey? Did you? Were they a part of that with you? I'm just curious because when you were talking about Giving up the social life. I mean, even dating, I'm sure, would be hard, dealing with all of those health issues.
2: Yeah, I mean, we have so much empathy for anyone who's chronically ill and single and, like, mm-hmm. trying to put themselves out there and meet someone because that would be so, so hard. Um, we both were in relationships before we got sick. Wow. Um, and, in fact, they've, I mean, they've been through all of this with us. Yeah. So yeah, they've, they've been super, super supportive. My fiance has dealt with very similar health issues as a result really? of staying over at that original apartment. So we also, they they get it. They saw it, they get it. They've experienced these symptoms. So we were lucky in that too, that like, they understood what we were going through.
1: Wow. That's so nice. I'm sure... Obviously, you don't wish this upon yourselves at all, but the fact that you had an amazing support system of each other, I'm, I know, again, the couple people I mentioned have gone through this journey, you know, they've connected with a lot of people thanks to social media, but it, it's got to be the most isolating, alone feeling. Even when we had so many stomach issues, I would look around and be like, and for you guys, that was what, five years ago, did you say? More, more than that? For us, it was maybe three, four, five years ago. I used to think no one else had stomach issues like me. Like, Jill kept hers so in private when she was playing collegiate softball. And, yeah, the isolating feeling that comes with being chronically ill or having some sort of issue that makes you feel so alone. So it's probably really cool that you guys had each other, even though you just don't wish that that ever happened in the first place.
3: Yeah, it's... The biggest blessing of, like, our circumstances was each other. Sure. You know, we were literally going through every single part of this together, from the treatments we were trying to the research we were doing to the bad days and just venting to each other to, like, the hysterical crying phone calls. And We then, were calling each other, like, 10 oh, yeah. times a day. And and like, just, like, oh, I'm motiva- sure. <laughs> motivating one another. And, like, I had to be strong for her. And she had to be strong for me. And so sometimes it was hard to be strong for ourselves. But I knew that I could only be down for so long because I got to power her up. And she has to do the mm-hmm. same for me. So it was like this unspoken bond that truly like, put, like, put, made us sisters. I mean, I know that sounds super cheesy. But <laughs> if I didn't have her, I don't think I would be the person I am today. Um, I know I wouldn't be. And, of course, having a significant other and a partner is crucial. But mm-hmm. her and I understood what we were going through on a whole other level yeah wow yeah it's
0: you know it's hard because i think everyone who listens to this podcast at least kind of believes in alternative healing most people that are going to listen but when you talk to people even just friends that we've made in austin since moving here it's not like widely accepted that all of these alternative forms of healing or some people would say oh like you don't drink well you know, that's weird or like you're doing bee venom therapy. Okay. Like you're spending money on voodoo. Like those types of things still are not like widely accepted. And one thing that I've started thinking about a lot recently is how important it is for the people that surround you to be people that are promoting your healing and accepting of your situation because it's when Jen and I moved to Austin, we just started making all these friends, but it's really difficult to be friends with people who just totally don't believe in the lifestyle that you choose. It makes it really difficult. So it's like, it's really cool to hear that you guys did have each other. and Obviously, we had each other because like, thank God, I couldn't imagine like, Jen and I right now, uh, we live in a two bedroom house, but We've always thought like, oh, it'd be cheaper if like we live with a third person, but we're so used to like, we're in the kitchen, like talking about diarrhea and God knows what else. Like, I don't know if we could subject other people to that at this point in time, you know, like, it's just, it's so natural to us that we kind of forget that there are so many people out there that like, don't think that way. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, that I so agree with you. And I think that's the The other thing that you deal with when you go through health
0: issues is-
2: you take a really close look at people in your life and your circle. And, you know, I know a lot of people who have cut a lot of people out because exactly what you just said, it's like, okay, nothing against you, but we just don't align anymore. And that's okay. Like we right. can grow apart. And again, I think that's ultimately a silver lining is like being really selective about who you surround yourself with and, and knowing that the people in your life are people who, you know, are your cheerleaders and they get you and they support you, even if they don't, fully understand it they support you regardless
0: yeah mm. no absolutely i definitely have friends like that if you guys had like three really accessible forms of healing that you'd recommend to people who are maybe dealing with more toxicity or maybe they're just looking to like improve their health what would you say they are
1: it's a great question that's probably a really hard answer because yeah, you probably have 20 but you
3: know i'm trying to think of the most i mean accessible i want to say i think we both agree with this
2: nervous system regulation, I'm not going to pick one thing because it's going to look so different for everyone. It's so individual. So whether it's meditation or breath work or brain training or horses,
3: Mm -hmm. something in that category needs to be in there. Yeah. Cool. Especially if you're, if you've been chronically ill, it's like your body gets stuck and it has these pathways and it's always in fight or flight. And you're not going to fix that through taking supplements necessarily. Like you have to do the work. So that's one bucket for sure. I'd say another one would be supporting your body's ability to detox i mean whether or not you're chronically ill the world we live in at this time is so toxic compared to how it used to be ages and ages ago and from you know the products that we're consuming on our skin to the water we drink to the foods we consume and the glyphosate in our produce like all of those things play a role in your toxic burden and that bucket and if you are filling that bucket up with a lot of toxins from different parts of your lifestyle you're going to be more susceptible to getting sick. You're going to be wrecking your immune system, wrecking your gut. And over time, it could spill over and lead to something that happened to us or autoimmune disease, something like that. So when it comes to daily life, just being very intentional about the products that you select to use every single day, from food to water to products on your skin, just being mindful and in your home and your cleaning products, just being mindful that all of those micro decisions ultimately add up to a very massive one yeah to be very intentional Mm -hmm. about you know the things to buy if i I had to pick one detox supplement it would be liposomal glutathione
1: yeah okay cool I've taken that before um when I really needed it and it helped me significantly. So I know exactly what
0: you're talking about. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well Yay. thank you guys so much for coming on. I feel like yes. I've learned so much. I'm now <laughs> gonna go test our- Yeah, <laughs> I think
1: we need to. I'm buying I'm gonna link that kit in our bio. Do you I'm sure you guys is it yours or do you mm-hmm. Oh, it is your kit. Okay, yeah. sorry. I completely missed that. Well, let me link it below on the show notes for people to go and purchase if they think it's yeah. necessary for this, their situation.
3: Yeah. And we do, you know, the results are very hard to interpret. So if you buy a kit, it comes with an interpretation guide that we kind of help you to make sense of your own results. But if cool. you want to book a consult with us, then to have more personalized and individualized recommendations on how to move forward and what your results mean, um, every kit, you have an option to purchase a consult as well. And that's with either delaney or i
1: okay and that is that in the box because i'll link uh, a consult yeah. with you guys too in the show notes
3: yeah yeah it's so it's all on our website when you go to buy a kit you have that option
1: okay and you're at the detoxing duo on instagram yes. and tiktok right yeah cool thank you gals so oh, much that true. was awesome and was so insightful chat. i know yet, right,
3: let us know yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.